Hey, welcome back in to Talking Catholic with David O'Gray. I am David O'Gray, and we are talking Catholic with David Charles Williams, um, who is a really smart guy. He's a Catholic out of the state of Quebec, Canada. Uh, so we're talking about his reversion to the Catholic faith. We're talking about Catholicism in general in the country of Canada. He's um, he's a member of Opus Dei, so we're talking about Opus Dei, spirituality, and a few other things. Hope you enjoy this. And we'll begin right after this eight-second introduction to talking Catholic. Eight seconds, I'm telling you, is <laughs> just enough time for you to click like, subscribe, and share. I'll see you soon. David Charles Williams, welcome in to Talking Catholic. Glad to have you here. Hello, David. So I know we, we met on LinkedIn, I believe, and um, we had a couple conversations in the past. And I decided to bring you on Talking Catholics. I think you're a really smart guy, and I want to introduce you to more people and have you on the show more often because um, you learn a lot from people that's smarter. And they always say that if you listen to people who only um, agree with you, you'll, you'll never um, be smarter than the people who you listen to, right? Mm. And um, so... Welcome again. Welcome in uh, the Talking Catholic. I want to introduce you to you know the audience, and I really want to start back. Um, tell us really, just tell us about your, your favorite journey and what brought you up. Um, to, let me start to your to your mid twenties or something like that. Assuming that you're not twenty one years old right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in terms of the family becoming Catholic, with my uh, my mother uh, decided to convert to Catholicism when her dad did. Uh, just at the point when she was leaving Jamaica to be to go to England just after the war, and uh, she really, you know, loved everything that 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 he did, and the nuns took very good care of her, and so she converted to the faith. Her husband, who she met in uh, in Jamaica, he's a petition in in London. So he had um, uh, he was Moravian, and uh, he'd wanted to be a, a preacher when he was growing up, but he he, he never became one. So at that time, the agreement was that, um, you know, that they got married within the Catholic Church. And, you know, in England, you have to get married twice because you have to do something in the C of E for the official though. And, um, and then when they came to, 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 to Canada, um, they adopted me. And, uh, and because of the rules uh, at that time, I was raised as, as a Catholic, my mother being Catholic. And, and my dad never interfered with that but taught me to pray in his own way. And we'd come home from church and listen to Mahalia Jackson and, and listen to all of our, our wonderful hymns. And uh, so he's the man who taught me how to pray. So for me, uh, I fell in, into laziness. 14, 15, um, I wanted to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and get to that, to that early mass and, um, and uh, found that uh, being an only child within the, the, the family and and the church sort of changing for my mother. Of course, I wouldn't perceive that, right? I wasn't born in 24 like she was, um, that uh, she stopped going. And I remember it weighing heavy on me. And also I felt that I had this pocket in my life which was being filled. And um, I recall um, getting a, um, I, uh, I, I was the founding president of the McGill Psychology Student Association, and uh, I got an award for it. And I, I met up with this this girl who had um, uh, was uh, who was set up the, a music association in the, in the music school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to ask her out, but uh, I didn't feel so at the time. And we had a reunion the following year, 
And I just thought that she was very dignified. And why, what attracted me to her was her, her belief in God, her, oh. her Catholicism. And uh, so she introduced me to, uh, to, uh, to some priests. And, uh, and I came to them um, with a million and one questions. And um, they answered them all. And, uh, and I found that my... Like, I had this thing which I, I, I couldn't necessarily say that it was you know, sort of demonic or whatever, but when I would go to church, um, I would have to have a breakfast um, or else I would find I'd be passing out. Hmm. And it was funny because after that communion, after those 10 years, that disappeared. Huh. And... Um, you know, never experienced that again. You know, walking to church doesn't matter. I could fast forever, basically stand there. Yeah. And it was like, so this tension of not, not wanting to be there, you know, just, just, it just, it, it went away. And uh, so I found myself very fortunate, very fortunate that uh, even though I don't think I was super well catechized in all the years I was in a Catholic school, that I've always had very amicable, and wonderful relationships with, you know, with priests, religious. And, uh, and I found myself... Uh, bringing my own godchildren to, you know, to monasteries and things just to show them different aspects of the Catholic life, which I just think that it's so, so expansive and so wonderful because it's not only, it's not only different spiritualities, it's so encompassing that yeah. you can have opposing spiritualities and yet still be in union and, and just feels like home. What, um, backing up a little bit back to high school, um, mm -hmm. And I guess you're you're talking about you're still you have this desire for God. I mean, you have this capacity for God. You you know you're 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 moving in that direction. Yet, but why Catholicism though? Why 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 the Catholic? You have I mean, you're in, in Quebec at this time. I believe there's still other options. Why why Catholicism? The thing about Catholicism, well, it's sort of more looking at it when I was in my twenties. When I was in okay. high school. Um, I mean, when I from from nursery school to to, to grade eleven, um, you know, I'm in within a, in a Catholic system. Uh, um, um, we stopped saying stopped saying school prayers around grade four for reasons which I didn't understand. You know, we'd always begin the day we'd say the Our Father, we'd begin doing our stuff, and then it just it sort of stopped. Um, so I didn't, but I was just too small to 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 sort of you know try to connect any kind of dots but i think what attracted me to catholicism since a lot of my teachers did teach things about mormonism and other kinds of things we did do school projects on different creation myths and so forth is that the thing about catholicism that really hit me is that it made sense okay it it, it didn't try to defy some distinct distinction between faith and reason um that's something uh, and, and I found even as a religion teacher, I, I, I would tell, tell my kids, I said, look, you know, um, ask anything, right? Um, you know, you need to be able to understand it needs to be yours, right? Yeah. And I also began to understand that, that um, you know, there were answers to things and there was also kind of a communication that could be had. And one of the things I remember was studying... Um, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas says, you know, <clears throat> uh, five reasons of cause and effect for the, for the cause of you know, what God is, right? Not cause of God, but God is the uncaused cause. And I was discussing this with a friend of mine. Um, and um, 
I was looking at the five parts of these five separate arguments, and I was piecing them together in my head. And I, I must have been, I don't know, 27 or 28 years old, and I was just sitting there looking at that, and, and I was considering, okay, well, at this point is true, and this point is true. And there was a, a point for about oh, a good three to five minutes where I could have denied my own existence instead of God's. <laughs> it, it, was, it was like the, the room just swept away. It was like, there was like, you know, yeah, I, I could not be here, but God could not not be here. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, coming up, now, one thing that, that's, um, I think I told you this before, you know, uh, Montreal is just one of my favorite cities, I think, in North America, just because of the aesthetic of it. The street names are all named after saints, uh, you know, the, the beautiful churches, the course of Notre Dame. Um, even going up to um, uh, Quebec City, I mean, just just a beautiful, it's just beautiful. But, but what changes, I guess, in North America, in the United States, a lot of us associate um, the area there being more liberal-oriented. Some experiences I've had there talking to people have been. But what, in I remember hearing a story one time, David. Guy, I was in um, Quebec City, and this guy, he, just, he was just so officious. He just volunteered this whole story about the history of Catholicism in, 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 <laughs> in Quebec and talking about how at some point in time, um, church came in. They were going door to door, making people have children, and his narrative was that, um, and then that's when people started leaving the church because the church was cruel and all this type of stuff. But as a person who's been there since the age of, um, I guess, all your life, um, what changes have you seen in the, the church, in, in the people's relationship with the church? In, in, yeah. uh, I, I don't know to what extent there's how deep the veracity is of any kind of sort of Jansenist heresy that, that occurred within Quebec. I'm not certain about that. Okay? Um, I, I do remember an incident in my life where I, I was sort of made to address it. I was uh, teaching at a, at, at a school in, in, in Toronto, and we were, were in a building, um, a Protestant church, where we had our classrooms. And I realized that when I was trying to do a postulate with the people there, just asking them questions and sort of, you know, letting them know what my faith was and trying to understand what theirs was and the, and the like, and um, that a lot of them were ex-Catholics. And so I remember the, the very thing you're talking about came up one day, just sitting there with them. And, uh, and it was like one of these Monty Pythons, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition kind of thing, right? It's where like, well, they just, you know, made them have children, out of, you know, and then, and, 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 and and there was no, you know, real nuance on that. And I said, um, I said, well, that that doesn't really hit me as making any kind of sense. Okay. I said, I said first of all, um, despite that may be people's perception about things, you know, um, the fact is that the the king's daughters, um, you know, when Louis the the, the fourteenth um, created the system and used this whole uh, Louis Jean Talon basically as uh, as his intendant. Uh, the, the thing was that I need you to colonize. I need you to be somewhat independent so you don't have to keep coming back to me for stuff. Um, and then that way we're able to move this trade thing that we're doing the way it needs to be moved. So those women that, that came here, they were in a position of sort of uh, lower working class, let's say to speak. 
they wouldn't have really successful marriages, let's say in France, uh, with people that would have this much land and, and the like. So they were raised in, 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 in monasteries and so forth. They, they picked up basically people who had the best uh, character. And so they had their pick of husbands. And so you suddenly turn to those people who now are going to have a kind of wealth they could not possibly have in France. And so their openness to, 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 to having those children um, you know, it was clearly voluntary. To turn around and say the mothers of your nation were, you know, pathetic slam hounds who had just doing what they were told <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I don't know if you've dealt with the mother of 15. They're, they're not easy. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they don't suffer fools. Uh, so so one of the things that I, I saw happen, is, and I saw it happen, uh, especially in, in, in the Italian community, was that there comes a generation that turns around and wants their kids to have a better life than they have, but sometimes they overdo it. And I know there was a group of parents who regretted telling their children how hard it is to have children. Because okay? they realized in the end they wanted more grandchildren, but they realized that they had trained their children to see children as a burden. Right. Okay, and so so therefore, when they look back at their parents, they go like, "Oh, it's more a burden." So like, "No, no, I've overexpressed that." Yes, it is hard, but it's you know, but the lesson is lost because it's become a societal thing. So I think that's partly what happened. So mm -hmm. I turned around and I said, "Look, there's a difference between explaining why you're having these children and a difference between that and being doctrinaire." And I said, "If I'm being doctrinaire." Then if I ask, say, Father, look, we have 13 kids, I, I, I'm, I'm ill, I don't know if my husband's going to work, and so forth. And if, he, and if the priest just turns around and says, well, you know, be fruitful and multiply, you know, and just you know, points to, the, to Genesis, mm -hmm. then, you know, he's not, not really being your spiritual director, right? But if he turns around and he says, okay, well, look, pray about that, think about it, you know, what, what do you think? Can you be more generous? You know, what, 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 you know, then, then everybody's involved, right? And, um, and nobody feels that, uh, that they're trying to pull a fast one on God, right? Because our, our Lord will not be fooled, right? Um, and so what, when I pointed this out to, 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 to this group of people, um, they were like in their 60s, um, you know, it was like a weight had come off of them. They were sort of going like, yeah, yeah that, that, that makes sense. So I think we keep coming back to the whole thing about being catechized. And I think that sometimes our perception of, of getting uh, material um, is that we, we read things into it. Uh, when I was doing a, a, a catechism at a, at a parish, I had a, a parent complain when I was talking about kids going to their first communion, and you talked about them being traumatized and so forth. Wow. And one of the things I said, I said, look, I said, first of all, I said, you're a responsible parent, right? And like I said, you know, I've, I've had friends and they babysit. And one of the things that happen when you babysit somebody is you get a long list and a, a big talk from that kid's mother. My kid likes this, doesn't like that, don't do this, don't do that, right? And I said, you're the parent, you're, you're the primary educator of your child, and that includes basically preparing them for the sacraments. So you have that little conversation with so-and-so, and you make sure that you find somebody you think is, you know, like when you've had compassion with that person, you're going to be simpatico with your, with, with your kid, because some kids need to be told, hey, that's really, really wrong, Jimmy, and other kids, you look at them funny, and they're just weeping, you know? So, I mean, that's your call. You're responsible for that. It's not, oh, I'm just sending them out and somebody's going to take care of this. Yeah. And I said, I've never seen a kid walk out of the thing traumatized. They're doing cartwheels. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> I'm going to say sorry to my sister, you know, and they, <laughs> they just, they just, you know, 
spending the rest of their day. So I think uh, what happens is within the vacuum of, of, of not getting a proper catechesis, then mm-hmm. the culture steps in and it fills in that void and, and it changes the story. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Because it sounds like just hearing it, you know, that first time, it sounds like just one of those easy narratives that you just kind of pick up, put in your pocket, pull it out whenever you need to say it. It, it didn't sound well mm. thought out, like you're saying. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that you contextualize yeah. that. But it's an emotional memory. So it's genuine to the person, but they're right. not really reflecting <clears throat> upon it because they're not being asked to. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, when I came into the Catholic, you know, I'm a convert. When, when I came yeah. into the, the Catholic Church, one of the things I, I struggle with a lot, you know, probably just because the way I was raised was um, coming to a Catholic Church that I had always thought was just uh, what we called, what I learned to call, you know, in my, in my younger days, a white man's religion, right? And that, that's kind of how I thought the, the Catholic Church was. So it was, it was, I had never met a black Catholic, right? I never... You know, <laughs> I didn't even know black people could be Catholic, like I, like I used to say. And uh, it's, it's just amazing to me and that I didn't know, right? I was just that um, that ignorant of the whole religion thing, especially with Christianity. But it was a major, it was a struggle for me to, to come into the Catholic Church, knowing that, you know, I, was, I thought I was going to be like this token black person. Um, mm-hmm. I did eventually over, overcome that, but I've always, from the beginning, from the, from the very beginning, I was aware of being a black person in the Catholic Church. Were, were you ever aware in Quebec, I don't know the, the population of black Catholics there, but were you, at what point were you aware, if you were aware that you were, you were, um, you know, what we call an American black Catholic, right? Yeah. Well, there are two experiences for me. One of them basically is, is, is somewhat secular. And that was that I was the only black kid in the school, basically up until about grade six. Right. And so I was the black guy. Were you, were you aware? Were you aware of that? Yeah, that was made very, very clear to me, especially around being a teenager, because there were um, kids that I didn't know that somehow thought that it was cool to basically just be nasty to me. Okay. Um, so, um, but beyond that, I I was so used to. I mean, uh, okay, uh, it didn't start out well. I mean, from going to kindergarten. When I walked into that school bus, the bus driver made people sit with me. And in those first, those first days or whatever in school, I mean, no one would play with me at lunch. Okay? Huh. But as I got to know my class and so forth, I mean, I got used to having friends that were, you know, white, basically. And that's what I knew. Right? So that's one experience, the, the kind of secular, you know, these are my friends. and right. So it's, I'm not trying to look for black community or white communities, or these are just people. I mean, I couldn't, I didn't know a difference between an Italian man and an Irishman. They were just white. You know, that was just it. Um, the, the, but the church experience was different. And I guess it's because of the, cosmo, uh, the cosmopolitan uh, nature of Montreal. When you, you, you mentioned St. Joseph's Oratory, I mean, it, it's, it's the UN. Uh. Um, so, uh, I, you know, Asians, uh, you know, uh, Dravidians, um, you know, uh, Middle, Middle Easterns, um, you, you, you name it. Okay. Um, and um, so, 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 the, so the, the factor of being Catholic as being Catholicos Universal was always very clear to me. And I, we had this conversation last year when I was telling you how stunned I was when James Earl Carter Jr. was becoming president. And he thought that... 
that in order to have a better image, he spoke with his pastor about letting blacks in his church. Oh, I nearly swallowed my gum. Letting blacks in your church? <laughs> um, <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, is there like a, a lot of Caribbean influence in, in Quebec as far as like um, from the islands? Or is that more like a Toronto type of thing? No, it's not a Toronto thing. It is basically that most most Catholics from the West Indies are are Protestants, right? My mother was raised as an Anglican. Um, It's it's essentially the Haitians who are Catholic, right? The Haitians. But but what we've discovered basically is that you know there's there's not as much deep mixing amongst the Haitians as and, and other Caribbeans. Okay. Uh, if you recall, one of the sort of the effects of colonialism is not only how, you know, how you know, British and Americans sort of see us, but how we see each other, right? And okay, so right. One, of, one of the factors is that, and again, this is, this is a prejudice and it, it's, it's an assumption on, on my part, so I'm not, I'm not pushing those labels, but there's somehow the conflict, okay, well, you know, Africa is somewhat, somewhat primitive, you know, the West Indies, well, they, they, were, they were slaves, you know, no, no Canadian, uh, yeah, Americans basically were slaves of a, of a different kind. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and so there's a thought, especially amongst the, I think the dignity and the pride of, of Haitians, of sort of going like, well, we're not like these guys. And, and, and you can see their, their, uh, um, the, the, the sense they had within the class system, especially in Haiti, right, of, of how dark you were, basically, mm-hmm. right? So I find that, you know, amongst, at least at, at that time, once, you know, very dark patients, it's sort of like, you know, like, oh, yeah, we can see you're, you're Jamaican. You can't, you're not, you know, you're not, you know oh, it's, wow. it's sort of like, you know, we're closer to our, to our roots. Now, that might be in the front of their mind. It might be in, in their mind at all. But we didn't see each other as like, you know, you know, hey, bro, that, does, that doesn't, doesn't particularly happen. And, and the more and more that Africans have come into, into, in, 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 into, into, into Canada, you know, then that kind of thing really just sort of dissipates because it's a very different experience, right? I mean, they're, they're right. coming to us basically as, as the majority of, 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 of their own place. So the, um, I would say that what I would see as the black community came out of my experience of having music lessons. And so I, I, I was, went down sort of to this local mall and we met a music teacher. And then I think somebody had a conversation with my dad of going like, you know, well, you know, um, you know, we get, we got music teachers here and you can go to the, the black association in, in Notre Dame de Grasse. And so, you know, my father brought me down one weekend, uh, sort of, I think similarly to, to your dad, basically, when he's looking at all your posters of uh, white rockers <laughs> in your room, yeah. um, and, 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 and but essentially, my dad had no communication with me about what was going on, so I just sort of went there, didn't know anybody, and then he came back and says, "Like, what? Well, I would have brought you back, but you just weren't interested." Uh, but I kept the music teacher, and uh, and I really appreciated her, and um, I just thought she was uh, was an incredible educator, and. Um, and, uh, and, um, but I remember not a, but, but an, and I remember when she was talking about community one day, um, um, her daughter is using this term and I could see that for everybody in the room, it meant the blacks in Montreal, uh. but I could see that for her mother, she meant Montrealers. Okay. Okay. And I asked her about it years after. And I said, um, that's the impression I got. And she turned to me. She says, if it wasn't for Jewish people in Montreal, there would be no black community center. Right. And she says, yeah, this thing of this divide. Yeah. 
the, the community is community. Hmm. That's that's profound. Huh. Wow. But um so moving moving along, and I know we had talked previously about you um have been called to Opus Day. Talk a little bit about that because I know a little bit about Opus Day. I've been to uh, reflections here in, um, in Columbus and in, um, in St. Louis. I, I know that part of the the um, the experience. But talk a little bit about that that calling and what is it? What does Opus Day spirituality mean to you? Okay. Well, Opus Day spirituality is not um, it's nothing particularly outlandish or strange um, because the nature of of Opus Day. No, the reason I'm mentioning that is not about all the films and stuff that people have seen. It's it's just the, the factor that that it's not a kind of a spirituality where like somebody within a religious vocation or whatever has something special that they're right. I'm, I'm going to be a teacher or I'm going to be a nurse or I'm dealing with the homeless, this kind of thing, right? This is something which seems separate, right? And, and in some essence, basically it, 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 it kind of is, but at the same time, it's absolutely not. Because it's a it's a recall of the universal call to sanctity. So that means that everybody we encounter will do that in their own way. So if they don't have the vocation to 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 Opus Dei, right? Um, they might never feel they have the vocation to it, right? But but if we are successful at what we do, whatever they're going to do, they're going to be doing with much more fervor. Okay. So, so the thing is that. Uh, when I see somebody that I know that, 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 that is on fire, I, there's some things that I see that they do. They'll walk up to me and they'll tell me, you know, the pastor today, this is what he said in his homily. Oh, yeah, our bishops, he said this, you know, and I'm building my spiritual life because of that. Or I, or I met this. Or we went and we helped these homeless people with that group, right? And we, we got to pray more. And yeah, we got to do this, right? And that's, that's fantastic, right? And because I, I see that person's at home. And some people will, you know, be there, you know, they're with their pastor and they're with their bishop, and they go like, well, you know, I have, you know, okay, how do I, how do I, so how do I keep this up, right? And so their perception sometimes is within the prelature that they assume that, oh, the prelate, it takes place basically of your, your parish priest or the bishop, but absolutely not. Okay. He compliments them, right? Okay. Because he wants me to be a better parishioner. He wants me to better. Uh, better subject of, of, uh, of, of my ordinary. That, 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 that's what's important. Because I'm supposed to serve the church the way the church wants to be served. Now, why am I saying that it kind of, it, it kind of disappeared? Because if I'm doing that, then I'm not doing anything strange. I'm not supposed to do anything strange. Mm -hmm. I'm just an ordinary Catholic, right? Yeah. But I'm going to turn to my friends and have conversations with them that maybe other people might not have. Like, have you been to confession lately? Uh, have you, have you considered that, you know, that, that, that you're a confirmed Catholic and that those are gifts and you can ask for more of those gifts. Um, that even though your marriage is broken up, that you've received the sacramental grace and it can help you in this particular situation. Um, you know, th these kinds of things. Yeah. Okay, so, so what turned me on to it, and that's why I told you the story before about offering up the day, was that it was made clear to me that there was no such thing as, you know, Oh, I'm going to work myself into heaven, right? I, I'm going to do my thing and you do your kind of thing. But there was no way of doing that unless I cared about the others. And no. that, that, that has to be manifested basically within the common sense of a lay person, right? Um, 
I can't push you around. You're free to do what you want. A friend of mine said to me at one time when I invited him to a recollection, he says, if I don't go to this, will we still be friends? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> we are friends. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, you don't have to sign up on any card or anything. But we're not angels. So I'm going to ask you for money. I'm going to ask you for help and so forth. And uh, you might get sick of it. And you might just tell me no. And I understand. And this is my favorite charity. So we're, yeah. we're going to be doing this. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think those recollections are so valuable. I wish I can get down and do them more often. They have them once a month here. It was the same when I was in Columbus. They, they were just so valuable because what I found after, I don't, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the, the stages of, of the recollection, but I, you know, I know after we've, um, uh, afterwards, uh, we would go to a um, little room and we hear a member of Open Day, Day talk about integrating their work life with their personal life. And I just found that that's so, so beneficial because being a Catholic is all about um, integrating the whole person, right? You, all of yourself, um, offering that to God and just being, actually what, what the Mass is trying to communicate, um, all of yourself um, belongs to God and as an offering. And so all of yourself, whether you, you know your body, your finances, your relationships, all of that um, should be whole in, uh, in, in have a, have a, um, uh, Christ should be in all that working through you, all those different components of your life. And so those, those, after the recollection, we would go hear these talks and man, David, I mean, I just, they, they were just always so transformative mm -hmm. and refreshing, you know, for me. Yeah. No, so thank you for your beautiful book, by the way, on, on the liturgy. It's something I think so many people uh, uh, need to read. The, 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 the thing that, that I found, um, uh, just as you were discovering joyfully this, is just how many people don't make that connection. Yeah. I was asked one time to speak to a small group of people, and there was a guy there. And yeah, he wanted to love God more, and he was working with a special population at a hospital. And I said, you know, what, are you praying for the people you work with and so forth? And, you know, for a good seven minutes, he turned to me and goes like, but that's a totally different thing. And I go like, no, it's not. I yeah. said, why do you do what you do? Because I care about those people. Okay. I yeah. said, what is love? Love, well, it's a willingness and ability to care for the other person despite personal hardship. So that's what you're professionally doing, professionally loving them by being professional. Mm -hmm. yeah? You're not taking them home because that would not be professional, but you're doing <laughs> this. So that, that's, 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 that's your prayer, right? Yeah. So that is sanctifiable. You know, and as a teacher, I mean, again, without doing anything strange, I'm standing in front of an auditorium of 100 people. Yeah, you know, I mean, without seeing anything, you know, greet their guardian angels, you know, pray for the things that are happening in their lives and that they do well in the courses and so forth. Yeah. And, but that's the thing, because it means that that it's just like that, 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 that comic strip in the 1950s where a couple were leaving the church and Jesus would then go, like, what do you want? He said, well, I want to go home with you. You know, that's the whole idea of the domestic church, yeah. right? Um, and, and that's it. That, yeah, he comes home with us, right? And yeah. that within our situations, we're constantly asking ourselves when we're doing our examination of conscience, okay, when I look at my day and how I've interacted with people, did I do that in right. the presence of God? Right. And it helps me see people as people, you know, um, whether I like them or I don't, whether they like me or not, whether, you know, somebody's right. cut me off in traffic, whether, you know, and right. just, the, okay. It's a long line. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'll just pray for people here like this instead of going like, hey, crazy day, right? Yeah, yeah. no problem. You, know? yeah, you take your time. This will be, be done fast enough and so forth. Yeah. Um, just for the, 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 the sake of realizing that 
Um, yeah, that, that 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 I'm here not for my desires, but for God. Yeah, yeah but um, yeah, I think that's that's so important. I think a lot, a lot. I think a lot of people think that's counterproductive. I think um, you know, I've been in sales for a long time. You know, I was teaching theology for a while, and I was, but I've been in sales for for most of my life. But and I, I think a lot of salespeople who I work with think that's counterproductive to pray for their clients, right? Because I think, oh, I might lose the sale. Well, you know, <laughs> but um, I, I think if we we don't. If we don't integrate all of our life in that way. I think we like, like you were saying. I think we view people as objects, and then we begin to objectify them, and mm. uh, uh, and then apathy sets in, right? And I think that that is so harmful, obviously, for for you know. I but I found it. I found it interesting what you're saying because I remember in 1995 I was working with kids at risk of dropping out, and uh, I was asked to create a program for them. And at one point, I sat with my client and I said to him, I'm going to explain to you where my material comes from. And I said, they come from two sources. I said, they come from business manuals, especially for sales, and they come from spiritual reading. And I said, because there's no other literature that, that comes back to the, to, the, to, 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 to the subject, okay, um, and turns around and says, how are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Do you care about your customer? Are you giving them what they what they really need? Uh, are you listening to them? Are are you sharing yourself? Are you being genuine? Right now, they're doing it for different reasons, right? But 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 the factor is that's the only literature that I've seen, right? That turns around and and, and has you do an examination of your conscious. What's your body language saying? What are you saying mm -hmm. with your actions? What 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 are you doing? Because in the end, as a teacher, you, you well know. If I walk into the classroom in a bad in a bad mood, well, when the kids are in a bad mood, it's because it's what they're just reflecting what I'm dishing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what subjects are you teaching now? Uh, right now, um, I'm on lockdown. Uh, but the, the last <laughs> subjects I was asked to teach was English as a second language and astronomy at the elementary school level. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. What, um, David? What, what? You know, if someone asked me this question, you know, they say, what, what keeps you Catholic? You know, and I think I would say the sacraments, particularly the Holy Eucharist, I mean, uh, but also confession. What, what, keeps, what keeps you Catholic? Um, well, the thing is, as I mentioned to you before, I mean, God is real to me. And, and, and despite, you know, being a poor sinner and, you know, uh, the, the, the factor is, is that he is real. And... And even though I, I, I constantly use the word being poor in catechized, I think the, 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 the kinds of things like the rosary and, and seeing Our Lady as, you know, God closes the door, she opens a window and so forth. And those little things, yeah. they, 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 they mean a lot. Yeah. Uh, somebody had used the expression one time and it says, you know, the beauty of going to confession is you get on your knees and you're the same height that you were when you probably made your first confession. And you just, <laughs> you know, you just, right? That there, you, you continue to have spiritual childhood and the an abandonment, right? Um, that 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 there's a there's a sort of a, 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 a trust that as long as you're breathing, there that, that that there's still hope. But and that's, so so the thing that 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 so that that's the sort of the essential reason of why one have a relationship with God. But why Catholic per se is that it's just it's you look at it's amazing over uh, over the past you know. Because in Opus Dei, we get a lot of formation, a lot, a lot of formation. And, um, and myself, I'm very curious. So I, I've, I've read scores and scores of books, you know, even outside of what I was being asked to. And, uh, but the thing that, 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 that really stuns me is that I'm constantly surprised by 
how much deeper you can you can go. So you know, I look at somebody like like Brant Petrie, and he's talking about the Jewish roots of the of, of these things and, and and why they exist. And it's like my head's exploding. And it's like yeah, I always believed this, but now here's this detail. Um, um, and, and it just it just and it just it just always gets better. Um, and any project that I do, um, you know, and being doing a possibly with families or with or with kids and so forth, and and I, it just it enlivens things because especially when I see people making changes in their lives, um, it, 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 it enforces it because you see that, wow, how do, how do people do that? It, it, Father Leo Tresse, I think, wrote in, 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 in Vessels of Clay, he was talking about his vocation and he was saying that, you know, this couple was asking, they, they had a child that was very sick, probably close to death, and they were asking like for the last rites and, and blessings and things like this and blessing the house. And, and he just saw himself as a young priest looking at you with admiration and how could he do this colicky babies and, you know, and all this craziness. And, 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 and at the same time, they were sort of saying, like, well, Father, you're a saint. Thanks for doing this. And we had this beautiful organic relationship between the clergy and ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then even one that's sort of mind-blowing, even from the earliest days in the church, about the religious, right? I mean, my heart always leaps when I see the little sisters of the poor, or I see a teaching order of nuns of Notre Dame, and I look at the history of our city, or you know, and 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 even looking at her cause, Jean Monster, Montreal's first nurse, she she built that, that hospital outside the fort, outside the fort, outside the fort, to to take care of anybody that that, that was there. Um, we still have uh, museums and artifacts of the very buildings that, that St. Margaret Bourgeois uh, um, uh, was, was, uh, uh, did, 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 did her teaching and took care of people. Um, and we see the great care with which that happens in Margaret Duville and, and that first hospital and how, you know, praying for it for years and it's burning down and she's praying the Te Deum, you know, um, and, and then you, you come back basically and the order just it, it continues to grow. So... And I also say the opposite, that when we lose that, I see things dissipate and vocations dissipate. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's, 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 it's sort of, it's almost obvious at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's beautiful. What, um, this whole coronavirus, COVID-19 thing has been, I mean, this isn't the first time a pandemic has come along, right? I mean, the church has <laughs> no. seen, I mean, seen these for the last 2000 years, these things have come along. But this one seemed, for this generation, rather new. Um, we've reacted to it in some interesting ways globally. You know, um, what what's some of the lessons that you think we've learned from this? Um, um, what can we take from this movie? Now, this is weird, okay? Because look, you talk about generation, but the generation basically dealt with, you know, Ebola, you know, SARS, Hong Kong flu, you know, um, how short our memory is, 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 is what astonishes me. Um, um, and, and, and I have to say, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the response to this ecclesially is, is, is ahistoric. It's definitely novel, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Um, it's, I don't think it's a factor of, 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 of lessons to be learned. Okay. It comes back to a perception. Uh, it comes back to perception. I've seen, heard people argue when people have said, oh, you know, this is a chastisement. And it all, all depends on how somebody perceives chastisement. Okay. Because a father raises their children 
and sometimes needs to raise them in a hard fashion because of what needs to happen. I remember, I always um, account that I'm still alive now because I feared my mother more than I feared the cars driving down the road um, <laughs> when I was a kid. Because there was a car and I was froze. My mother said something and I did what my mother wanted. And even at that age, I think it was four or five, I thought to myself, like, yeah, thank God I listened to this woman. Um, um, I think that there are going to be people who are hungry for the Eucharist. And I think that they're suffering right now. And I think that's good. I think it's good because Lent means spring, because Eucharist is Thanksgiving. And, and I think that it's important, again, with respect to their, their inbox, that they, they're growing in love with our Lord and asking him more and more in these spiritual communes, what do you want of me? Right? There are others who might not be awake to that. And I'm hoping that those that are hungry are, you know, having prayerful conversations and working mortifications and so forth for, 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 for those others. Um, so that, because if they were doing this on automatic, right, if they were having communion without making spiritual communions, if this was just cultural, um, you know, you can walk into a dark room and be happy that you're out of the rain, but somebody might turn on the lights and you might see that this is the most sumptuous of rooms. Mm-hmm. And be and go like, well, how comes never someone ever showed me this? And it's like I said in my first confession, right? Uh, after many, many years, right? Offer up the day. And it's like my head exploded. Oh, I can offer up my day to God. <laughs> um, and, and it was like everything had significance. Um, and, and that's the kind of, of invitation. So that when we're praying things like the rosary, where we're literally walking through the gospel through all the mysteries, we get a sense of being there because as you pointed out to us and reminded us, and again, thank you, you know, um, you know, that the, 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 the mass is this, it's an eternal thing. It's not an act of human beings, it's an act of God. We're secondary to it. Um, the factor that, that we're there in the midst of the book of revelations, um, and, 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 and that we're, we're ever present and that we're doing sanctus, uh, as God sees us because he already yeah. sees us uh, in, in the, in the beatific, beatific vision. Um, and I think that, that, and so the thing that, that, that's going to be learned ecclesially might be a very different thing that's going to be learned politically. Though. Hmm. Because we've seen at almost every level, city, county, you know, governors, uh, um, presidents, international organizations, that people that are not particularly interested in human freedom but like economies of scale for whatever ideologies they may have, um, have uh, just been licking their their chops. And I, I think, and this is not just ecclesial, but in general, uh, I think our, uh, our education these days is abysmal. And it's not the factor, I'm not trying to be some intellectual snob, I know stuff other people don't, that, 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 that's, that's nonsense. <laughs> the, 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 the factor, the fill libraries of what I don't know. I think the factor I see from somebody who's not only taught, but a tutor for many years, I find that my, my charges are ultimately unhappy. They're un- ultimately unhappy because they don't see a connection between the things, amongst the things that they're learning. Right. And, 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 and that, the only answer for that is anthropological, right? Um, mm. Your work and what you're learning and your family and who you are must be connected. The people who landed on our shores from Europe, um, they weren't looking for government. They were looking to create a society. They weren't afraid to die. You don't mess with people who are not afraid to die. 
<laughs> so there's that ecclesial thing and, and, and a societal thing. So in a way, yes, it's an unprecedented response to something. But if there's something that we've lost at the level of, 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 of even a, a, a participating in our own nature, and grace perfects nature. And even at the natural level, we don't seem to be the same tough stuff that, that, that our ancestors were. And so I think so grace is trying to work extra hard with that. And I think that the thing that can be learned is that those who are hungry and those who have learned that lesson and can show it by example through virtues, because again, that, and it's wonderful again, because our catechesis doesn't only deal with the Ten Commandments or, uh, uh, and the precept of the church, right? It also deals with uh, prudence, justice, for temperances, and then, the, and then the theological virtues, right? It, 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 it contains those things of the human anthropology of the, um, um, that when you see that by example, then that says a lot. So even if you are, you know, illiterate with respect to civics and so forth, you, you might be open to it just from the factor of saying, okay, wait a minute, I'm told that if I have more than 2.3 children, I'm going to be ultimately unhappy. But they seem to be ecstatic. Um, oh, wow, they, they just lost a child. And, 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 and yet, even though they're mourning, they're, they're, they're hanging on and saying these are the best years of their life. And this person said he was single and very happy with that and then really prayed for a wife and then never realized that even though he was an only child, that, he, that, that, that if the place wasn't filled with people, that he'd feel lonely, right? That, you know, trusting in God, that, that you know, we think we know what we want as we, as we hold on to, to that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we hope. So we hope it at, at all levels because, yeah, we have to pray for our, 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 our priests and bishops and our pontiff because we're all in unique circumstances. But the thing that will drive us apart is if we see each other in this inorganic way, there's a them and there's an us. No, no, we're Catholic. We're organically connected. And deeper than Protestantism, because we have a church militant and a church suffering and a church triumphant. And that eternity that comes in with, 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 with that mass of the apocalypse, in which we, we have this juridical court where he, he challenges us. So just as when Jesus is in the synagogue for the first time and he, and he claims who he is and oh, they're ready to accept him. But when he criticizes them, they're going to throw him off a cliff. <laughs> right. But that's the thing. He's God and we're not. There's a reason. And then you mentioned it in the Ambrosian rite of the Kiri Eleison, right? He's mm-hmm. saying, I accuse you of this. And it's for us to say, okay, what do we do now? So I think that we've been given this fast and we need to come back with it with, with, with a sense of appreciation. And we don't know what's going to happen. It might be our 40 years in the desert where it's going to be the next ones. But notwithstanding, every point in the church, no matter what, has been a time for saints. And those are the ones that have that connection for saints, for doctors of the church, by example. And again, not reproduction, procreation, children for heaven. These will be the future heads of those families future priests, future bishops, and so forth. And they will enliven the current ones because they will see just as that priest who goes to that household. Wow, fathers close to the sacraments. Oh yeah, these people are raising their children and are close to the church. We build each other up. And right now I think there's a lot of modern psychology and modern sociology and modern administration and communication that's, that's edging its way in between that. And it's only in the silence of prayer um, that, 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 that that's going to be clearly seen. And I think that's why those evenings of recollections and, and, and retreats are very important because the world has a, has a million and one tricks. And unlike in the past, 
you know, our movies are so real. Our, our, uh, we have so much that, 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 that we're not allowing ourselves to be empty. And it's, it's in that emptiness in which we then can be our most creative. We need that, that discipline for, for, for wisdom to perfect prudence. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. When, you, when you're talking, you remind me of um, Pope John Paul, or St. Pope John Paul II talked a lot about this in his um, Theology of the Body. Adam experiencing it, that season of solitude and the personal growth that he experienced from that. Out of that, he realizes that he is alone and he needed a helpmate. Um, he doesn't realize that um, if, he, if he doesn't just have that, that period of just that personal solitude. And not you know having you you having said that you know I'm looking at this this period here um, for those of us who, who did not have the public liturgy as that time um, for for personal for growth as a community not just personal growth for growth as as a whole community and we'll see and I appreciate your words that was really beautiful and um, we gotta have you back on again to talk about some more of these these things David well thanks for coming on to um, talking capital oh I appreciate being invited thank you David. Yeah. Well, God bless. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Cheers.